0: The Basilica of the Holy Family is the most iconic symbol in Barcelona, Spain. Currently, it's actually the largest unfinished Catholic church in the entire world. Its construction started in 1882 and is projected to be the tallest church in the world. it will stand over 200 yards tall in the air. Something unique about this church is that if you walk inside, It was inspired by nature, so it looks like you're standing underneath a canopy in a forest. The most famous architect of this basilica is Antoni Gaudi. When he started this project, Gaudi was convinced that nothing man-made should ever stand taller than the creation of God. And so he designed this church to stand actually one foot lower, one yard lower, than one of the surrounding mountains in Barcelona. After working on this project for over 40 years, Gaudi tragically died in a tram accident, and so he is buried in this church. This church, this entire project is meant to be done in 2026, which would mark the 100th anniversary of, of Gaudi's death. Something quite fascin- fascinating about Gaudi's life, though, is that not only was he a man of deep faith, he would frequently pray with scripture, he would go to confession, but he also acknowledged that this project was so much greater than his own life. And he was simply grateful to be a part of it. As the architect, he never claimed this project to be his own, but he was really its servant. He was doing this for the glory of God. Now in our gospel, Jesus has recently gone into Jerusalem and is standing in the Jewish temple. He is speaking to the Jewish leaders, so the elders and scribes. Last week, Jesus spoke about a parable of two sons to them. And now this week, he offers a new parable. This landowner who plants a vineyard. One way to understand this parable is through the lens of salvation history, of how God through time comes to save his people. So we can see the landowner that represents God. The vineyard represents the nation of Israel. The landowner sends out servants who are prophets, who proclaim the faith. And then lastly, this landowner sends a son who ends up being Jesus Christ to bring salvation to the world. To bring salvation, he enters into death. Salvation history. Another way to look at this parable though is that Jesus actually wants to shine a light on his listeners' hearts. He's trying to reveal their motives. And so in this parable, we have this landowner that creates everything good, the vineyard the watchtower, the hedge, the wine press. And then he assigns tenants to serve in his vineyard while he goes off on a journey. Now when the proper time comes, he sends out servants to collect his produce, the fruits. Yet at this time, the servants have already taken over the tenants. The tenants think they own this property. While this landowner was good and loving to these tenants by offering them a job, by allowing them to work in his vineyard, they respond with a possessive and controlling heart. Even rebellion. They kill the servants. They kill the son. They're trying to control. They want to own. So the ultimate problem with uh, tenants is not their work ethic. It's that they think they can be the owner. And so ultimately, what are these tenants supposed to do? Really, they're meant to surrender their control of what is not theirs. It's to surrender control what is outside of their control. And if they did that, they would have a deeper peace of heart. To be able to acknowledge that this landowner is good. That this landowner wants to care for them rather than as a taker. In our first reading, St. Paul said, have no anxiety at all. When Paul actually wrote that first letter, he was imprisoned. How could Paul say, have no anxiety, while he was in jail? How could he say that? It's because he knew God was in control of his life. He surrendered his control of what was outside of his control and that's why he could live in deep peace an example for us one of my favorite recent kind of saints is walter chiswick he ended up learning how to surrender control to god he was a polish american who became a jesuit missionary in 1939 he went over to the soviet union Well, while he was in uh, seminary formation, so he was studying to be a priest, he was actually quite an intense man. He'd wake up at 4.30 a.m. and go on a five-mile run. He would go and swim in a frozen lake through November. He would fast during Lent only on water and bread. He would go in an entire year without meat, which I think is impossible for most North Dakotans. This guy was quite intense. Eventually, he made his way over to the Soviet Union, and he was accused of being a Vatican spy. The most important moment in Walter Chiswick's life wasn't in all these amazing things he did. It wasn't that he was this intense, amazing guy. The moment that was most important for him that he mentions in his book is when the Soviet torturers broke him. When he was in solitary confinement, they literally broke him to the point where he did whatever they said. When they sent, them, sent Walter Chiswick back to his cell, he felt like he abandoned and failed God. And he didn't know what was going to happen next. In this moment when he was out of control of his life, he realized that the peace of God finally came to him, that God was truly in charge and in control of his life and that this landowner would provide, that he was simply called to be this faithful servant. He didn't have to do it by himself. He didn't have to try to receive God's love. He didn't have to control because God was there. And so from that moment on, he surrendered control what was outside of his control. And so may we pray this week like Antoni Gaudi, St. Paul, and Walter Chiswick, to surrender control what is outside of our control in our lives. Jesus will take care of the rest.